0: They uh, get their music and they practice it and they they uh, perfect it for the Lord and it's a blessing. Man, that's a blessing to to see that and hear that. So wonderful, wonderful. Take your Bibles and turn to uh, Haggai chapter number one and verse number nine. Haggai chapter one, verse number nine. Just the one verse right now. We'll just read it and then we'll stop and go back and kind of fill the blanks in. We started this last week, or was it the week before? I don't remember. I think it was last week where we started with this, and, and the, the, the title of the thought here is Unexpected Fruit. And so we didn't get a chance to actually finish the, finish the message last, last time, so we're going to pick it up and, and continue where we left off and, and see if we can't get the entire thought today. Haggai chapter number 1, verse number 9. You look for much, and lo, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts? Because of mine house that is waste, and ye run every man unto his own house. It looked for much, but it came to little. Didn't expect that. When we gathered a lot, we expected a a big harvest, a bounty, and, and we didn't get that. So let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this, your word. I pray that you help us to uh, gain some things tonight that would help us as believers and as members of Wooden Valley Baptist Church and as uh, uh, saints who uh, desire to follow you. Lord, I pray that you just bless, bless everything that's said and done here tonight. And uh, we ask that you would open up your word. It's a closed book without your help and your illumination. And so, Lord, we pray as the psalmist prayed, open thou mine eyes that I might behold wondrous things out of thy law. So, Lord, we pray that you do that for us tonight. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I just remembered we have uh, a couple gals that are going to be baptized this coming Sunday. And remember, I need to hear from you you guys, from your parents, actually. If you're um, a minor or in the teen department or, or under, then you always have to make sure that we, we have the uh, parents um, uh, validation of that, so just make sure to do that. We're planning on having a baptizing this Sunday, so we're looking forward to that. All right, Haggai chapter one, verse number nine. God says, you you looked for much, and lo, it came to little. I ended last time with this. The children of Israel were commissioned by God. They were helped by the heathen king. They were stirred to build the temple of God back in Jerusalem, and they were stirred by heaven, and there, there were believers that were... were uh, 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 brought to service for the king, and things started and went very well. We we saw that in uh, um, what not uh, Esther uh, Ezra in the book of Ezra. We'll go back there and k- take a look at it a, l- a little bit. Where Cyrus was commissioned by God, and and he supported the work and funded the work. They were out there building the temple. Everything went well until they were opposed. And the opposition they they tried to just destroy the effort and they tried many things Uh, first they they tried by coming in as their friends hey we're just like you we want to build with you and on and they were uh, insincere and luckily or fortunately the children of Israel they they caught that they caught the deception they said no you have nothing you got nothing uh, with us. You don't have a part or a lot in this. You're not the same. You don't have the same purpose. We'll just go ahead and build ourselves. Thank you very much. And uh, then they turned and they began to oppose them. And they tried a whole lot of things to, to stop the work. And most of those efforts were unsuccessful until they got the government involved with false accusation and a threat of a heady ha- heavy hand of punishment when they came to the, to the children of Israel and they said, You've got to stop the work. And you can read the false accusation letter. That begins in Ezra chapter four. Uh, take a look at it. Ezra, Ezra chapter four, verse number eleven. This is when they sent a letter to the current uh, king. Well, the current uh, magistrate back home, and uh, of course, uh, they they had uh, the Persian government had control over those areas, and they you know had uh, those those areas to, to uh, be paying tribute, that kind of thing, to uh, the, the government back home. And they had all the area in in a a subservient position and so they sent the letter these people that were in Israel and they saw the temple being built and they said we got to stop this and so they they did they sent the letter back home Ezra chapter 4 this is the the text of their letter verse number 11 this is the copy of the letter that they sent unto him even unto Artaxerxes the king thy servants the men on this side the river and at such a time here's the heading they give the time the date who it's from all that kind of thing and they were the king the, the king artaxerxes servants way out there in this in this foreign land in this the land of israel there um and so they were just reporting okay we're, we're on your side we're, we're working for you king and hey we've got a problem here houston we have a problem he's writing back they're right back there and they're saying there's a problem here verse 12 be it known unto the king that the jews which came up from thee to us are come unto Jerusalem, building, and this is how they put it, the rebellious and the bad city, and have set up the walls thereof and joined the foundations. Well, they were biased, weren't they? Biased against the children of Israel. And they said, we've got a problem. There's there's an insurrection rising against you, king. Verse 13, be it known now, unto the king that if this city be builded and the walls set up again then will they not pay toll tribute and custom and so thou shalt and damage the revenue of the kings you're going to lose your tax support here from these people they're going to break away from you they're going to gain strength they're going to break away from you so you got to do something about this verse 14 now because we have maintenance from the king's palace and it was not meet for us to see the king's dishonor Therefore, have we sent and certified the king? Oh, uh, just pure motives. They would say we're just—we're just, we're telling you this because we're working for you, king. We're on your side. We're of your payroll, and you know we're your eyes and ears, and and uh, uh, government out here. And we're we're just helping you. And so that's what they're saying. We're, we're doing this for you, your sake. Listen, this is—it'll be good for you to get involved here to stop this kind of thing. Verse fifteen that search may be made in the book of the records of thy fathers. So so shalt thou find in the book of the records, and know that this city is a rebellious city, and hurtful unto kings and provinces, and that they have moved sedition within the same of old time, for which cause was this city destroyed. We certify the king that if this city be builded again, and the walls thereof set up by this means, thou shalt have no portion on this side the river. You're going to lose control here. That's what he says. Then sent the king an answer unto Rehom, the chancellor, and to Shimshai, the scribe, and to the rest of their companions that dwell in Samaria, and said unto the rest beyond the river, Peace at such a time, you know the heading, The letter which he sent unto us has been plainly read before me. Got it. Got the message. And I commanded, and search hath been made, and sure enough, it has been found that this city of old time hath made insurrection against kings, and that rebellion and sedition have been made therein. There have been mighty kings also over Jerusalem, which have ruled over all countries beyond the river, and told tribute and custom was paid unto them. Give ye now commandment to cause these men to cease, and that this city uh, be not builded, until another commandment shall be given from me. Take heed now that you fail not to do this. Why should damage grow to the hurt of the kings? Now, when the co- copy of King Artaxerxes' letter was read before Realm and Shimshai, the scribe, and their com- companions, it was in their favor. It was kind of like the Supreme Court ruled in their, their favor. Ha <laughs> ha, they had a celebration. They went up in haste to Jerusalem and to the Jews. And made them to cease by force and by power. Then ceased the work of the house of God, which is at Jerusalem. So it ceased unto the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. So that's the background. And when the children of Israel started, and they started, man, great uh, revival and great attitudes, and they're in obedience. They're following. They were doing what they're supposed to do. And then. Here's this opposition, and they, they write to say, "Hey, King, you better stop this." And and so the current leader there says, "Okay, that's, we we don't want to uh, cause trouble for our kingdom, so have them stop." So the command was to to have them to stop, and everything ceased. The the uh, uh, foundations of the temple were, were stopped being laid, and the and the walls to be up, and the, you know they, everything stopped. And for and it gives the time, and then if you check this out, about 15 years for 15 years nothing happened it's like this is 2020 it'll be 2035 if, the, if we were building that temple it would stop from now until 15 years from now 2035 how old are you gonna be in 2035 I might not be here but anyway uh, um, hey that's a long time it's a long time for that to have stopped now to make a long story short they stopped the work the progress forward was halted you remember last week we talked about how they forwarded the 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 cause they forwarded the 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 cause of the house of god i can't remember how the the phrase was it's always good to see god's god's uh uh, things go forward stopped no more forward they stopped the work it ceased for 15 years and for 15 years nothing happened what a waste last thing i said when we were here was i don't have 15 years to waste. <laughs> I really don't. I don't have 15 years to waste. I was talking to uh, uh, Brother Bloyer today and and I said, you know, I don't have, I don't know if I have tomorrow but God has given me today. And whatever it is I have, I'm using today and so on. I'm using it for him. I sure don't have 15 years to waste to do nothing but that's what that's what happened. <clears throat> So 15 years later, we read in our text in Haggai where they are approached with a message from the Word of God, Ezra chapter 5 and verse number 1. They say, well, you preachers said Haggai. When this is the, this is the, the, the uh, uh, sister passage. Actually, the history was uh, Ezra. The text of the message was in Haggai. We're going to read that sermon in just a little bit, but here, this is what happened in Ezra chapter 5, After 15 years later, then the prophets of Haggai, the prophet, and Zechariah, the son of Iddo, prophesied unto the Jews that were in Judah and in Jerusalem in the name of God of Israel, even unto them, then rose up. Okay, they preached the message. They said, this is what thus saith the Lord. And the people responded. Right there, they rose, they heard, they paid attention, they listened. They understood that God was speaking to them. And God was speaking to them with a, with a whole lot of verification that this is what God's doing. God's hand is in your life because of these things that we read in that message. But we'll get to that in a little bit. But So they heard the message. They heard these preachers come and preach. And then it says, verse 2, Then rose up Zerubbabel the son of Sheltiel and Jeshua the son of Josedach and began to build the house of God which is at Jerusalem and with them that were prophets of God helping them. The preachers helped the same too. And the same time came to them Tatanai, uh, a governor on this side of the river, and Shethbar Boznai, and their companions, and said thus unto them, Whoa, ho, ho, whoa, what is going on here? Who hath commanded you to build this house and to make up this wall? Then said we unto them, after this manner, this is what we said, uh, What are the names of the men that, that uh, make this building? But the eye of their God was upon the elders of the Jews, that they could not cause them to cease till the matter came to Darius. And then they returned answer by letter concerning this matter. So what happened was they got back involved, and this was not good to the opposition. I mean, they were upset. They were all out out in arms, and they said, "Foul!" This is not right. We've got to stop this. Who, who gave you permission to do this? And so they said, okay, well, we're going to go ahead and write a letter. We're going to uh, uh, appeal back to the governor back there in Persia, and we will, we'll see what's going on. So the, the work stopped for 15 years. The people got discouraged. They got carnal. Matter of fact, we're going to find that in the text that we read from, from uh, uh, Haggai in just a little bit. They got carnal. They lost their vision, their zeal, their, their purpose and they began to languish spiritually until Haggai preached to them the message of God, and they had the correct response. Zerubbabel, what's the guy's name? Uh, Josedach, the, the son of Sheltiel, they, they had the right response. They, they had the correct response. They restarted the construction of the temple. They got back on track. What a save for God and God's people and for God's kingdom. What a, what a great story. What a, what a positive ending here uh, because they actually continued until the temple was built and, and without opposition. Now, before we continue, albeit that they got the right attitude and approach approach of their eni- enemies, you got to understand nothing changed. Nothing changed. For 15 years they stopped for 15 years no progress spiritually for 15 years they languished in the shadows spiritually and they kind of diminished and diminished and diminished for 15 years n- nothing was was being forwarded in the in the temple of god in the kingdom of god for 15 years everything stopped all of god's glory stopped and all of the obedience to god stopped for 15 years And then when they finally got things right, they heard the preaching, they said, hey, that's right, we need to get up and and build and do what God says, nothing changed. There There wasn't anything that God changed at this point. Everything stayed the same. From the start, they had the authority and the support of Cyrus, and they still had it. But it seemed to be shielded now because of all the confusion. They said, oh, no, this and that. And then they get the, the current guy to, to throw his, his opinion in the back. But they still had the, the, the uh, support and, and the commission of King Cyrus that they went with. They were still right to build. They had the authority. They were supposed to build. They, uh, God allowed them to build, but he used even uh, the, 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 the kingdom of Persia to help them build and to the, and the foot the bill. They were right to build. They also had the blessings of God on their lives and efforts as an outcome of simple obedience. They just obeyed. Haggai 1.8, this is what God says, his, his heart, go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the house and I will take pleasure in it and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. That never changed. God's heart was always there. He wants his house to be built. He wants it to, to go forward. He wants his things to be, be uplifted and to be focused on and to, and to be honored and to be respected. And God, he, he was pleased with them building, but that didn't change. God was still wanting them to build. Still, They merely answered their cri- critics properly. That's all that they did. But nothing changed to give them the go-ahead, to restart the construction. Folks, it was truly a 15 years wasted time. 15 years they didn't have to stop building, it was for nothing. They succumbed to intimidation. They halted for the fear of man. They were discouraged and bullied by the opposition. It's not like God destroyed those in the way, it's not like the Lord, you know, diseased those who were in the way and and took them out. Not like God removed a mountain of opposition or even provided something that they didn't already have. They possessed everything that they needed. God didn't change a thing, didn't uh, give them one more thing that they needed. They still had everything that they they needed. They had the the command of God. They had uh, the backing of, of the nation, truly. They had everything that they needed to do, but they did. They stopped for 15 years. What happened? They heard a sermon. There was one sermon. And what a sermon it was. And that's our text. What they heard was Haggai chapter number one. It was in that message that God emphasizes his intervention in withholding blessings by what he said. And so let's read it. Haggai chapter one, verse number one. So you want to know what it was like to be in church back then? This is what it was like. Here's the message. You know, we have ours recorded. (laughs) It's recorded right here. It's right here. It's word for word what, what the preachers preached. Here it is. Haggai chapter 1 verse number 1. In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, in the first day of the month. I, I like this because God gives ear markers of exactly where this is. And you can look at, at uh, the book of Ezra and you know here, 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 stop for 15 years and right there, that's where this is and and it coincides with the time. It's right there. This is that message. This is what those men of God, this is what the prophets preached. In the second year, of Darius King, in the sixth month, in in the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Haggai, the prophet, unto Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, saying, this is it, this is the message, thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, this, people say, the time has not come. The time that the Lord's house should be built. It's not the right time. Come on, hang on, guys. Uh, you know what? We're supposed to go for. We all would know that. And yeah, maybe we'll do that someday, but not now. It's, it's not the best time, okay? We need to, we need to kind of regroup. And we kind of, This is what the people were saying. The people that were not obeying. The time has not come. Time that the Lord's house should be built, then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, "Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste?" You remember what I said about sealed—that's talking about sealing or finished, uh, luxurious uh, houses and and palaces and and nice, comfortable uh, uh, dwelling places. You know, sometimes we kind of think that they were really primitive back then. No, no, they they was. They, Almost like, like here, there was many of the things that we have nowadays that are in advance of that, but they, we're talking about comfortable dwelling places, beautiful homes. But the question that God is saying, wait a minute, it's not time to build God's house. Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house, the house of God, lie waste? What a question. Now, therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but you have not enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe you, but there is none warm. He that earneth wages, earneth wages to put into a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house, and I will take pleasure in it, and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. You look for much, and lo, it came to little." And when you brought her home, I did blow upon it. You know, that reminds me of, it reminds me of a, a dandelion, you know? Not the yellow part of it, but when it makes seeds and it makes a little thing, and you go, and it's gone. It's all gone. He says, you brought her home. He's so proud. He says, hey, look, at, look, what we got the harvest. And God says, yeah, do that to you. <laughs> Take that, put that in your pipe and smoke it. Anyway, so he he did blow upon it. Um, Why, saith the Lord of hosts, because of mine house that is waste, and ye run every man into his own house? Therefore the heaven over you is stayed from dew, and the earth is stayed from her fruit. And they called for a drought upon the land, and upon the mountains, and upon the corn, and upon the new wine, and upon the oil, and upon that which the ground bringeth forth, and upon men, and upon cattle, and upon all the labor of the hands. Wow. What a message. What a text. What a a subject. How confrontational that God is dealing with his people in this way, saying, you guys are off. You're off. So, Very simple, simple message, simple sermon. Let's give it three points in a poem, okay? (laughs) Even though I don't know that these are the uh, the points that that God made, but let's, let's give an outline to what God says here. First of all, he's saying, wait a minute, this is what you're saying. Number one, we'll build, but later. Verse 2, he says, thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, his people say, the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. He says, hey, wait a minute, you're saying, you're going to build, but not now? Okay, well, when? When is the, the, the right time? You're, you're waiting for just the right time to move forward, just the right time to oppose the enemy, just the right time before he can take the step ahead. What are you waiting for? So, when would be the right time? God is, you know, those are, those are um, uh, rhetorical questions. And God says, this is what you're saying. The time uh, is not come. It's not, this is not the best. This is a, someday we will do that, but not yet, not now. When is the right time? Is it going to be a time of harmony? Is it a time when, when the, the opposition accepts you? When there's unity in all the land and everybody's ready for you to build and that's when you go ahead and build? Are you kidding me? A time when we wouldn't be opposed so painfully? I, hey, listen, we, we really can't do that. Why? Because, well, look at the look at the consequences if we do that. God says, do it, and they say, uh, yeah, this is not good. Not now. Not yet. I love the verse, Ecclesiastes eleven four. He that observeth the wind shall not sow. And he that regardeth the clouds. You're never going to reap. You shall not reap. This is talking about agricultural and the farmer that would broadcast seed. You know, sometimes you have uh, the the combines that will drill the seed into the ground, covered up, that kind of thing. And you know, and one one you know thing, the the, the tractor would come through and bury the seed. This is not burying the seed. You know, this is it's kind of like Johnny Appleseed, like the farmer takes in the bag of seed and. Phew, We have, we have what we call uh, seed spreaders. I've got this little seed spreader, um, and it's grassy. Right, right, you do that. You, you put the seed in there and you go, you know, and it just does it even. Right. And, and that's, what, that's what he's talking about. Here's the farmer. He, he gets up that morning, and it's time to sow the seed. You know, he, he read in the, uh, the, the farmer's almanac, and this is the time to plant because you got to get it ready for this. And so he gets up, and it's, whew, it's a windy day. And he goes, man, this is, this is not a good day to, to sow the seed. Are you kidding me? I'm going to try to throw the seed over here and it'll go everywhere. You know, I, I should wait. I should wait until things calm down. I should wait until we have a calm day. This is not a good time to sow the seed. He that regardeth the wind shall not sow. What he's saying there is if you don't move on in opposition, you're never going to move forward. You will just be frozen. You will be uh, 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 crippled. You're not moving forward if you're waiting for the best time with no opposition, with nothing to oppose, whatever, and then that's when you're going to move. Listen, how long has it been that you've said, one of these years, I'm going to read my Bible through? And you know what? How many years have you been saved? I've been saved eight years, preacher. Okay, how many times have you read your Bible through? I don't know, you know, maybe once or twice or whatever. You should read your Bible through at least once a year, you know, or once every other year, or even if once three or four years, you know, but a consistent time to read the Bible, have a consistent devotional life, and you know what, you're going to do that, you're going to, but, you know, I, I remember that one year I started, and I just got a new job. I was so concerned about that. You know what, when things calm down, I'm going to go ahead and, and adopt a reading program where I'm going to spend some time every day in the Word of God. I promise, preacher, I promise I'm going to do that. Just not now. You know what? You are regarding the wind. He that regardeth the wind, forget sowing. You're never going to, you will not sow. You'll not get the job done. If you're going to wait until everything's calm before you start sowing, you're not going to do it. He that regardeth the clouds. You know, it's like, cutting your grass in a in a rainstorm I've had to do that before <laughs> I've actually had to because for some reason I can't remember why or whatever but I remember I had to get the the grass cut and I was leaving or something like that and it started raining and you know what it's not the best you know when when the when the grass is so wet you, you got to go th- over four times before it even cuts you know goes down it's just it's not good it's not good So here's that farmer. He's ready to go harvest, and and the best way to do that, when it's bone dry, when you can get that stuff in the the barn and and no mold and everything else, it's got to be, you want it dry, that's the ideal, ideal, ideal spot is to have that kind of a a situation. And here that person gets up and, looks like rain. I was going to go harvest today, but maybe not today. He that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. You wait for the best situation, for the the commas you wait for. There's no opposition. Before you move forward, you're not going to move forward. That's why Wooden Valley Baptist Church is where it's at. Because we adopted this verse. (laughs) Move on in opposition, so just get it done. See, look, at this is what those people were saying. We'll build, but not now. This is just not the right time. And God's saying, okay, well, when is the right time? You know what? This is the problem here was point number two, their priorities were way out of whack. They weren't, you know what, they were, they were saying, you know what, I'm going to serve God, but just not now I'm waiting for the best situation or a better situation or whatever. And you know what you're thinking right now? And you know why you're thinking this? Because the Holy Spirit's bringing it to you, your heart, your, your life, your mind right now. That guy that I'm working with, he needs the Lord. How many times has the Holy Spirit laid on your heart to say something to him? Maybe he was about to, but uh, something happened and whatever, and that would not be a good time. And Oh, yeah, you know that's not going to be a good time. And uh, One of these days, I'm going to witness to him, no, nah, that's not, gonna, not the best time. And I have known believers that when God spoke to people to, to give their testimony, to speak to a lost person, or whatever, and they've hesitated... And they've hesitated until it was too late. We had a um, ice storm in Mississippi when I was there, uh, just out of Bible college, and we were assistant pastors in a, a small little town there. And and it didn't snow down there; it had ice, you know. And there in Mississippi, and Alabama, Texas, in those areas, when it you know it could like get bitter cold while it's raining, and you have a sheet of ice everywhere, and when that happened, everything was just you know, uh, paralyzed. Anyway, uh, there's this woman that was in our complex, that my wife was was burdened to speak to, and she went that we had to use the same the same laundromat. She had to use the same lot we all did. We had to lose it, use the same laundry. My wife was in there when this other lady came, and and you kind of know you kind of know what's going on. in your neighbors, you know, she would have gentlemen visit her, you know, home throughout the night, you know, and and whatever. And we're the you know, assistant pastor of the church here, and you know, kind of a different universe of the people. And but but the Lord spoke to my wife with a very clear, a clear, clear, clear. Um, command talk to this lady she was in there and they were doing their laundry at the same time and she felt like man I, I need to say something and she's looking for a track and didn't have a track and, and I don't know we were busy or we doing something whatever and she, she said that man God really spoke to me and spoke to my heart about, about speaking to her talking to this woman she said, I'll do, I'll do it. I'll do it later. I'll do it next week. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it another time. I'll, I, I'm going to promise I'm going to do it. She went on, and it was just a couple of days later or whatever. We had that ice storm. She had wrapped her, her little um, Chevy around a pole and died instantly in that ice, ice storm. She, didn't, she did not know that. My wife didn't know that and came knocking on the door and said, hey, I'm looking for, you know, oh, she's gone. And it was like a ton of bricks just kind of hit her. She, she said, whoa. It's not like God didn't talk to me about it. She, you, couldn't, you couldn't talk her out of the fact that God spoke to her heart and said, you've got a job to do. I, I want you to speak to her. And that one time that you were, she, I, just, I opened things up and here it was. And you know what you said uh, Later. How many times have we all been in that situation it's just not time it's just not time you know one of these days i'm gonna get to speaking to that loved one one of these days i'm gonna you know make clear why i i live this way or why i oppose this or why i'm for this one of these days i'm gonna reach out and but it's just not time and god says okay when is the right time What happened was, in verse number four, if you look at our text, Haggai chapter one, verse four, he says, is it time for you or ye to dwell in your sealed houses and this house lie waste? The problem there was the priorities were out of whack. That's all. It was just the priorities were upside down. What is it that is most important thing in your life? Is it pleasure? Is it peace? You know, that's one of the reasons why some people don't serve the Lord, because they count their own personal peace more important than standing up and catching flat for it because you're going to stand for what the Lord wants and that's going to be opposed. You know, you're going to go through World War II. So, you know, just can it. Is it wealth? Is it harmony with friends or, or with loved ones? Security? Maybe it's health. Whatever it is, if it's not of God and that's first in our lives, we're out of whack. We're just like these people that that God was getting onto when he says, wait a minute, you're you're running, you're doing this. There are some things that are important to you that take first uh, concern. There are some things that you're not going to ignore because you, you count them important. What about my work? What about my house? That's second, third, fourth on the rung. And guys, listen, if anything, I don't care what it is, anything but God's uh, plan, His purpose, His will for your life, not number one, we're out of whack. Whatever it is. Matthew 6 33. But seek ye first, first, not second, not third, not last, first. Seek you first. This is what Jesus said. This is what we are supposed to do. Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. You know, everything else about what you're going to eat, what you're going to live, what you're going to wear. All of the, 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 the things that we're so concerned about, that's going to be added unto you. First, give it to God. First, allow the, the Lord first place in your life. Some things that dissuade us from serving the king is uh, maybe financial setback. You know, we're not going to do that. We're not going to uh, make a big deal about this because, you know, my boss and, or my job, or, I, you know, if I do, I'm, I'm going to, you know, make waves. And, or I'm looking for that, that promotion. And if I, if I stand as a Christian in some, some of these things, I'm not going to be promoted. Or I might be demoted. Or maybe I lose my job. Or I can't be exactly honest about this because if I am, then I'm not going to uh, uh, be able to move forward or whatever it is. And, and that's for, because you're afraid of financial setback. Maybe it's family and friends. Matthew chapter 10, verse 34, Jesus said, Think not that I am come to send peace on the earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to send a man at variance. That means opposition. That means a, a opponent. Opponent a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Now, wait a minute. Doesn't Jesus want unity? Yes, but he's asked for our fidelity first and even above family. And a man's foe shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. You know, I've seen this, uh, I don't know how many times, I'll preach the gospel, and, and over a crowd of, you know, of pretty much, I, I would assume, most everybody here is saved, or you know about the Lord, you've been know about the Lord for much of your life or most of your life, and Sunday mornings, we'll have lost people here, and they'll come, and they'll sit, and they'll hear the gospel, and I can, I can see it. There's a family, there's a husband and a wife, and maybe one is going under convic- conviction. One of them's beginning to hear the Lord speak to their heart, and the big, the big consideration, the big consideration, what is my wife going to, what is my husband going to think of this? What's my brother, what's my sister, what's my friend going to think of this? And, and it's because maybe they want to keep the peace in the house. Is that wrong, to keep the peace in the house? No, it's good. N- but not if it's at the, at the uh, expense of keeping peace with God. And so that's what he said. He says, sometimes there's family or friends that come in the way. And, and so people don't do what God wants them to do because of people. Oh, preacher, I don't want to make waves. I'm going to alienate my dad or my mom or my son or daughter or my brother. You know what Job said when his wife was stupid? <laughs> I mean, spiritually stupid. When she's, you know, says, curse God. In verse uh, 9 of Job chapter 2, then said his wife, Unto him, dost thou still, retain thine integrity, curse God and die. Look what God did to you, and you ought to be better, just like I am. Curse God and die. But he said unto her, thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What, shall we receive good at the hand of God, and shall we not receive evil? And all this did not Job sin with his lips. It didn't matter that it was his loved one, that it was his own wife that was going to turn against God. He wasn't going to do that. Sorry. What a blessing. What a blessing to have... A, a man like that, that God says, has thou, con- not, have, you, have you considered my servant Job? One that is upright and sinneth not. I remember when, for those of you that have been here forever because we've been here for so long and the ones that just come on, you know, it's, it's a different church every year. It's a different, you know, uh, we're different people because we're from different backgrounds, whatever. Uh, some of you remember when, uh, uh bob and maria dearmore started coming to this church and they came because their son their son was coming to the junior services and loved it and wasn't the, the parents choice but the the kid did and so he kind of brought the, the parents with and and uh, uh bob was a big guy he was a he was a security guard for uh, uh bank of america or something like that president in seattle and he was a old uh military and then uh, uh law enforcement guy he he knew how to kill you with his you know baby finger and uh and maria was just a little thing you know i looked down to her that was pretty small i looked down to her and she's like i don't know four foot two and like 98 pounds wet you know and um but maria ruled the world (laughs) i mean she did man she was just the kind of person that you know she just ordered people around and, and you had to do what maria wanted you to do anyway so they came to church and uh I'd preach and whatever, and I'd say, you know, whatever. Hey, you got to follow the Lord. You got to do this, got to do that, whatever. And was talked about being baptized. And uh, she says, now, preacher, I've been baptized. I said, well, tell me about it, Maria. Well, her mother, who was a Catholic uh, early in Maria's life, when she walked away from her faith and all of that kind of stuff, uh, she sorely disappointed her mother. Then later on, uh, Maria came to know the lord she got saved well when she got saved she decided well i've got to be baptized and my mother i mean to to uh join us together again to to uh, make things amends i will go ahead and be baptized in the in the catholic church so she was sprinkled as an adult you know usually you're sprinkled as a baby she was sprinkled as an as an adult and so um so she said so uh, pastor i'd like to be a member of this church but you know I, I have been, I've already been baptized, and say, so, well, no, actually, you know, b- biblical baptism is under the water to portray the death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ, so that's, if you want to be a member, you got to be baptized. She goes, well, no, no I've already been baptized. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that because I, I'm trying to, to uh, uh, amend my relationship with my estranged mom, and she was so pleased that I got baptized. I'm not going to do that. I will not Get rebaptized and so I could be a member of the church I'm not going to do that and uh, so you know she just held there, but the Lord was speaking to her heart as they came and they came and they came and then finally um, she came up to me and, she, and the Lord's really speaking to her about being baptized, uh, but she said, you know I'm you know that's not and so she was so bothered about that she asked me to come over to her house and talk to her about baptism. I said, sure Maria, I'll come you know and, and we'll talk to you about baptism so uh, we came to her, her house, knocked on the door. She let us in, but before she let us in, she stopped me at the door. She says, now, preacher, don't you tell me that I have not been baptized. And I said, okay, Maria, I, will not, I, will, I promise, I'm not gonna tell you that you've not been baptized. She said, okay, all right, come on. Then. So we came in and, and so just went over the scripture. That's all I did, just read, read the scripture. Uh, here, you know, you gotta be a believer first in Acts chapter eight and uh, Romans chapter six. Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was Uh, uh, buried uh, by baptism uh, uh, by baptism through death even so we also shall walk in newness of life you know anyway that that passage of scripture so you got to go under the water got to come up out of the water and and so we were talking about that I I was just reading the scripture she stopped and she says no wait a minute wait a minute that means I haven't been baptized and I said (laughs) Maria I did not tell you that okay I promised I wouldn't and I'm not saying that but that's what the Bible says, doesn't it? That's what God says. <laughs> but you know what? It it was a it was a, a stumbling block, a, a difficult thing for her for years, until finally. I mean, God beat her up with this. until finally, she she broke. It was on a Sunday night. Preached a message, and it wasn't about baptism. It wasn't about any of that. She came forward, and she was going to pray. She says, "Pastor, I want to pray with you." And so I got down there. She says, "I want." I, I want to get baptized, and I go, oh, Wow, really? And she goes, Yes, I want to pray, and, and let's pray. And so she prayed, and she says, God, make me a good Baptist. <laughs> but you know what? You know her problem was for all of those months that she had difficulties with. The, she she was so concerned about a, this kind of a relationship, not this kind of a relationship. Folks, don't put anything else in, in Number one place. That should be the Lord and only, only the Lord. Okay, three things in that sermon would be done. Number one, uh, we'll build, they said, but later, God said, okay, when? Number two, their priorities really showed that their their priorities were out, of, uh, were, were out of whack. They were taking care of their own comfort, their own whatever, and letting the things of God go and be uh, number two or whatever. It wasn't like they were hating God. It was just that the priorities were out of It wasn't number one. And then the last one, number three, Uh, there was an unexpected harvest. And this is what he says in verse 5. Now, therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You've sown much, and you bring in little. No, no, when you sow much, you bring in much. When you you plant a lot of crop, you're going to get a bountiful harvest. That's normal. That's natural. Anybody does that you plant a little you get a little bit of a crop but you plant a lot you get a lot but you know what they were planting a lot but they were just harvesting a little and god was saying guys wake up it's not a coincidence this is on purpose god is dealing with them god is 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 withholding the harvest god is the one that's that's interrupting what they thought you know because they expected something and they didn't get it and is, and god says consider your ways that's what the problem is you have sown much verse six and bring in little you eat but you have not enough you drink but you're not filled with drink you clothe you but there's none warm And each one of these when you apply that you should have the fruit of that but you don't and each one of those it's like wait a minute wait a minute i expected to be warm i expected to be full i expected to have a, a big harvest something's wrong here he that earneth wages Earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. Man, I got a great job now, making a lot of money, wonderful. And then <clears throat> you're saving, you're saving, you're saving, and this happens, and this happens, and, and you, don't, you got nothing. When it's all done, you got nothing. And, and that's what God's saying. Consider your ways. God is interrupting these things. You're expecting this. You should get this kind of a fruit, this kind of a, 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 a return, and you're not. Consider your ways. They didn't expect such a meager harvest. They really invested in a, in, in a big-time way, and they got a pitiful harvest. It just doesn't add up. There are a lot of things that don't make sense. Really, if you look at your Christian walk, and you look at this church, and you look at how God deals with us, you'd think that the kind of preaching that Haggai preached to these people, they'd be hurt by it. I mean, he came in, didn't spare and he says, this is wrong, and you guys are wrong. And, and it was hard. It was hard to take. I mean, everybody was there saying, hey, we're doing good, and all this. And, and God wasn't with that. And so he, when he preached, he preached. And it was, it was so abrasive, and it was so hard, but it was the truth. And you would think from that kind of a, 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 a presentation that the people would be bitter, that the people would reject, that, that, they'd have, that it, would, it would make their condition worse than it was. But you know what? That's not what happened. You think that kind of preaching, that they'd be hurt or wounded or resentful or bitter. But no, they were blessed. They were blessed. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> it really doesn't. And when you take a look at it, it doesn't. Sometimes I've, I've felt uncomfortable to proclaim God's word like I think it should be proclaimed. I think, man, that's hard. But if it's, if it's accurate, it's the word of God, and then I see the fruit of that. You know something, folks, when, when there's people that understand that the preaching of the word of God is what I need, Sometimes I need to get my, my toes stepped down. Sometimes I need to hit, get hit right between the eyes with a two by four with the word of God because that's what I need. doesn't make sense that it's going to uh, be a blessing to me, but there's joy and peace and Health and prosperity. 2 Timothy 4:2 Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. For time will come, and folks were there, and you, you know what the word of God says about the preaching of the word of God. Sometimes it's a rebuke and it's hard and it's harsh. And you know, somebody from the outside will come and look at this and, and say, Are you guys kidding me? You sit there and you take that. It doesn't seem like it should produce. Joy and peace and harmony and blessing and maturity and fruit, but you know it does. It really does. You'd think it would be just the opposite. It doesn't sound like kind or sympathetic or soothing. Come to church and hear a message like this or whatever, especially if I'm not right, if my priorities are not right, if I'm not doing right, and God's got a hold of me and He's speaking to me about something, it doesn't sound healthy. It doesn't sound soothing. But it sure does produce blessing and spiritual health, like it did for them. You know, they listened, they had the right response. You, member of Wooden Valley Baptist Church, you'd better value the place under good, solid biblical instruction of the word if it's balanced. You should should value that. You should understand. That's, first of all, it's it's rare, but it's it's a place where you, you get. The result is something that you don't really think that you're going to get from that. Amos chapter 8, verse number 11 says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread or of thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. I'm telling you, it's a, it's a blessing to, to come to a, a church where the word of God is, is preached and taught, and it's taught uh, just clearly, straightforward man i get I get blessed from that. I really do you get blessed from that we sometimes we we, we look at that and, and think just the opposite, but no, no listen that's the, that's the kind of place that you the most accurate, balanced preaching of the Word of God produces the healthiest congregations, the most joyful service, the happiest happiest of saints and that 's unexpected <laughs> It really is. You wouldn't think that, that would—that's the fruit of that, but it is. That's—that's that's what happens. Same in giving. You know, you give to the Lord and you give till it hurts. You give till it's—it's it's, uh, feels good or whatever. You know, and and you say, "Man, I can't—I can't afford to give." And then you give and God gives. It doesn't make any sense that I have enough, and it doesn't make any sense that I get blessed. But that's what happens. It's unexpected. To be humbled. To be Raised. That doesn't sound right, but it is. Lost to gain. Surrender to freedom. You know, folks, when you obey the Lord, there are quite unexpected blessings. When you're not obeying the Lord, there's a whole lot of unexpected things that you think you're going for and, you know, you don't get that. So let's consider our ways. Every head bowed. Nobody looking for just a moment today. Lord, thank you so much for speaking to us. And, Lord, help us to, to value the... the, the uh,